Welcome to Screen Thoughts with Hollister and O'Toole. server and an olive garden. Just have my heart set on something else so much that uh, it, would, it, would, it would be difficult to go into work a lot of days. If the bug bites, the theatrical bug, and this is what you want to do, it will take over your life. Auditioning and sleeping. Scraping money together. Being homeless and relying on the kindness of my friends. My very first experience as an understudy was actually in regional theater. Not too long from now, it'll be a 30-year run. Then we come to today with The Adams Family, where I'm standing by for Nathan Lane as Gomez Adams. Most actors would rather die than have their understudy go on. It's very frustrating to be there, be at the theater, watching somebody else do a role that you're fully capable of doing. For every dancer on Broadway, there are probably 2,000 people who would kill to be in that job. He said that I was going to be replaced. That reality setting in. Nobody wants to be an understudy forever. If at 85, I'm looking back and I was always the backup, I'd have to toast to that. If it weren't for the syndrome of bring in a giant box office star, these are the people who would be playing the parts, these understudies. Nathan is going to be out today. He's going to be out, so you will be Gomez. Really. There's a new ogre in town. Ben Crawford steps into the role of Shrek. This is an afternoon for you, and this is their life. Hollister, it's O'Toole, and I thought in honor of tonight's 69th annual Tony Awards, I thought we could discuss the documentary, The Standbys, which I saw a couple years ago at the Hamptons International And what was Film I Festival. doing when you were, I don't, I, mean, we, I didn't even go to that film. Was I having coffee and just couldn't be bothered? I you can't remember. You must have been. I know. You must have I been. Know. I mean, you know, we were connected at the <clears throat> hip at that festival, and... I went wherever you told me to go. Maybe you wanted some <laughs> little space, maybe. Um, anyway, I'm so glad you had me watch it now. It is such, uh, you know, it's, you forget that, you know, in Broadway, that there's all these things happening. Like, for example, um, my stepson was head of Playbill for a number of years. And he oh, used to explain to I me. I did not know that. Yeah, that even. In charge of the little programs you always get at every well, show. Well, I, I don't think he'd call them little programs, <laughs> but. I think he would call them a very important part of the Broadway experience to read about the people in the show. At any rate, yes. But at but point being, so he, he was in charge of he, that. Well, he was the um, he was the editor in chief. You're kidding? No, wow, actually, yes. Okay. Yeah. Shout out to John Estelle, wow. who then went on to teach in the Bronx. Yeah. Oh, right. So okay. At any rate, I remember him telling me that that even though everything now with the curtains is all done electronically, mm-hmm. that the unions, you still have to have this guy sitting there as if he were pulling the curtains in days of old because the union won't get rid of that position. And oh, wow. that person, it's handed down from family member to family member. I mean, there's a lot of tradition that surrounds uh, Broadway, and one of them is that 
that never goes dark if somebody can't show up. So all these major, major stars mm-hmm. have standbys. Ah, oh, hence the name of the movie. Oh my God, I thought it was so interesting. Did you know the Tonys are actually named after a woman? Was it T-O-N-I? Antoinette Perry. The Tonys, it's so funny because they're one of the most interesting of the award shows because they Mm -hmm. do so much entertaining during it and people are used to going on stage to entertain where they're not really used to it at the Oscars, which is why some of those people look a little bit uptight. I'm not speaking about (laughs) anybody in particular, but, you know, uh, maybe that's why it's so much more entertaining. And my sister, who's an actor, she pointed out two things that I didn't know about the Tonys. One is um, this year, for the first time ever, they're having a red carpet. Oh. They've never had a red carpet before, oh. so it's a little bit more Oscars-esque. And the, it should be a black carpet. A black carpet. Yeah, because you know how Broadway goes black, or, you know, uh-huh. it doesn't ever go red. It never goes red. No. But this <clears throat> is the other thing about the Tonys. They always take place on a Sunday night, so all these performers can still perform their Sunday matinees, go to the Tonys, and then most theaters are dark on Mondays, yeah. so they can recover the next day. Right. You know, well, if recovering needs to happen, right? <laughs> exactly. Celebrate. But we digress. We should okay. really talk about well, the Well, you know, it, follow, it follows three people who are standbys versus... Understudies. Understudies. Now, yes. the difference is... Okay. Um, understudies are usually members of an ensemble cast, so they're already in the show. And they can step into can, a lead role if necessary. Right. But a standby just sits there every single night waiting to waiting, go on. Waiting to go on. And one and one of the wonderful things about this, about this documentary is that um, generally stars... Don't not go on. I mean, short of death, a yeah. few things are going to yeah. keep them from limping onto the stage. I will tell from you that I remember going to see um, uh, The Secret Garden, ah. which was only on Broadway for a very short time, and Mandy Patinkin was playing the lead. And, and it was I a musical. was so excited to see him, and mm-hmm. we got there. And it's they announced the you know the part played by Mandy Patinkin is going to be some John Doe guy that you know of course I'd never heard of, right. and I remember it being enraged. <laughs> okay, now poor Mandy, God knows what you know a delicate flower that he is. The voice could have been whatever, but and I remember when he when he shows up on stage, he had to win me over. And one of the things they talk about, which I thought was so interesting, is that. You know that if you finally do get to go on stage, and some people sit there for two years and don't ever get to go on. Or decades. I know, or mm-hmm. never. Or you never, know, never yeah. get to go on. Mm-hmm. Okay, you finally get to go on, and you know that there's nobody in there that wants you to do well. That's right. And you do have mm-hmm. to sort of win them over. And not only that, you have to play the role the way that person would play it rather than the way you would play it. And all so the interesting. people in the right. audience, they have the right, if this is announced that the star is not there, they have the right to get a refund to their ticket. You know what? I didn't know that. I would have gone and you gotten a different... You didn't know that? No. Because so, I often thought the psychological cost. I mean, there you are waiting and waiting and waiting for your big break, and it finally happens, and half the theater could walk out. Um, yeah, I remember years ago, I went to see Chicago... And I opened up the playbill, and all those little notices fell out about, you know, this person's playing the part of this person and this person. And there were so many, and B.B. Newworth was starring in it, who does make an appearance mm-hmm. in the documentary, The Standbys. She was replaced that night, and the friend I went with, and I, we were just joking, going, and Detroit is stepping in to play the part of Chicago, because there was nothing really, you know. But I have to tell you, if there's a play 
uh, you know, that play has doesn't have a star. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's such an ensemble cast that it's almost like they could switch around. Everybody could be somebody different. Well, than that is true. And another example is a couple of years ago, I went to see Anything Goes, and that was starring Sutton Foster, who also makes an appearance in The Standby. She won the Tony for that part. And um, Joel Grey was supposed to star in that, and that was a big break for Leo Norbert Butts who went on to make an appearance recently on TV. Here's your clue. It was an original series for Netflix. Bloodline. Yes. And which he's I now, liked a lot, uh-huh. right? We haven't done Bloodline. We haven't done it yet, but he's a Tony winner himself, Leo Norbert Butts. And, he and was, what does he play in Bloodline? He was one of the brothers, so it was one of Kyle Chandler's brothers. Oh, wow. Okay. The one with oh. the anger issues. Oh, the one who gets killed. <laughs> no plot spoiler. Show. The other one, <laughs> the other one, Hollister. Oh, he yes. doesn't get killed. Not the guy. He in gets the beaten up suit. really badly. Yes, he gets beaten. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of blood going around in Bloodline, but you know. Uh, anyway, the coach gets through it all. But all just right, to so, show one yeah. more example of what actors go through. But um, you know, I was just in New York City this week, so my sister and I were going up Ninth Avenue, and all of a sudden we see this huge huge line of people. I mean, I couldn't even tell how many blocks long this line of people was. And my first thought, I'm not proud of this, was that they were passing out free iPhones. And I thought this must be some kind of promotion from the gods and free I missed iPhones? out on it. Are you That's kidding? That's how Come long on. the line was. And I said to my sister, what are all those people doing? And she looked at me like I had three heads and she said, that's a casting call. Oh, yeah. And I thought, oh my goodness, every single part the number of people that show up and want that part, and I guess the sports equivalent would be the expression for the love of the game. What these people are willing to do, they don't eat, they sleep on their friends' floors, just for the chance to, to perform live right. on Broadway. Well, it follows three people, two men and, uh, and one, one woman, woman mm-hmm. and it turns out that after the documentary, she got a leading role in uh, Sister Act. Mm-hmm. Alina Waters is her name. Mm-hmm. And... Um, but I found her point of view, um, I, I, I guess maybe it's naive, and, you know, to try to be on a positive side, um, I, I found it a little naive. Look, in business, people get fired all the time. In business, you can work 20 years at IBM and be next in line for senior vice president, and someone else gets it. And mm-hmm. it's called life, you know, <laughs> not an entitlement of, I've worked this hard, I should have this role, you know. Mm. It's the same thing with any industry you go into to be at the very top of your industry. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we sort of say, oh my God, these people work so hard and only one in a thousand make it. Well, that's true in any walk of life, in my opinion, that you go into. It's not just true in theater. And so maybe you get paid a little better along the way. I think you know. it's true in theory, but I still could not do what actors go through, the audition process. When I think about the psychic costs of every step along the way in the journey of becoming an actor and hopefully making it on stage, for example, since this was about the standbys, so many of them never make it on stage. They wait and they wait and they wait. And I remember... And they get paid full time. They get paid a full salary to wait and wait and wait. Which still isn't that much, really. Well, he was supporting a family of five. Well, see, and and he was a great standby. Yeah. A great, great standby. But, um, for example, I remember once speaking to a cross-country coach, and he coached runners in college. Mm -hmm. 
And I just assumed that he always picked the fastest runners. And he said, not necessarily. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, sometimes I will pick a runner who might technically be slower than somebody else, but is used to winning. He said, but if there's a runner who's very fast, but there's still people who are quicker on that person's team and they're used to coming in third, I probably won't recruit them because they're used to not winning. And I thought about that with these standbys, how nervous they must be when they finally get that call going, you know, by the way, you're going on stage today and you have to hit all the marks and perform with this cast who you've never really performed with before because it's always the star who's been rehearsing with them. Well, and okay, and so let me let me sort of let me sort of lay the groundwork for a, an additional point of view. Okay, <laughs> if you're graduating from college, mm-hmm. you want to work at Google or Apple. That's a choice? Well, that's those are the two places you want to work because those are the Broadway of technology emerging companies, you know, like let's say you're going into marketing, mm-hmm. Google or Apple, you want, you know, those are the two teams you want to be on. Okay. Okay. Um, Facebook too, but you know, maybe there's 10 of them, which is that makes those companies the Broadway for business. Mm-hmm. Okay. Google gets, I think, 4,000 applications a day. Wow. Okay. And you know how many they hire? Probably not that many. Uh, right, exactly. But do these people, do they ever stand in line side by side? Yes, and they are you kidding? Not only, that, that... not only that, not only do they stand in line, they go through a rigorous process of interviews. You could interview 16 times at Google and not get the job. Do you know what that's like? Oh, see, that would not it's be not, good. It's not that different. It just feels different because it's such a public persona that we're aware of it. But everybody has a dream. Mm-hmm. of what you're going to be, the f- number of people that actually reach the dream in any walk of life is so very slim. You know, best-selling author, you know, you know how many, I mean, the Harry Potter books, 229 publishers she sent that to. Mm-hmm. Okay, 229 rejection letters. Right. No offense, at least she got to sing in front of people. <laughs> <But she's, laughs> she, so no, I mean, I definitely recognize oh, it, but right. I don't think it's unique. To a bra, you know, I don't think fair it's, enough. You know, yep, fair and, enough. And the wonderful, wonderful documentary, Twenty Feet from Stardom. I'm so glad you brought that up. Have to talk about that too here, this right? This documentary really exactly. reminded me of that one, which of course won the Oscar for best documentary did recently. It? I, didn't re- I didn't remember it did. that. Oh yep. my gosh, yeah. Um, and that documentary also touched on the subject that a lot of these backup singers to the stars, which was what Twenty Feet from Stardom was about. Probably have more talent than some of the stars. Exactly. And yet they're not the people we know. So this documentary, The Standbys, says, for example, that some of these standbys in a world based only on meritocracy would be the stars of the shows themselves. But they're not the big ticket draws like some people from, you know, TV or Hollywood who come to Broadway and draw in the audiences. Well, she mentions that. But but again, so you know, the music industry, we all have disappointments in life. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think the Broadway actors are unique to that experience. At the same time, when you listen to people in the actor's studio, for example, when they mm-hmm. do those wonderful interviews, right. and you realize that they were in a class of, you know, Bradley Cooper was in a class of 300, and he's the only one who made it, you know? Right. Yeah, it's not, I think it's, it's life. still, to me, perhaps because it's so not my personality, <clears throat> The level of auditioning and rejection that actors go through, to me, you've probably got to be made of titanium. But what I really like about this documentary is that it's what you want in every good screenplay. You need to have your reluctant hero who goes on this quest 
And they are willing to give it their all, facing obstacle after obstacle. And what makes that kind of movie interesting to watch is the pursuit of a dream, just like you said. And The Standbys does that beautifully with three different protagonists mm-hmm. who all go to Broadway. They give it their all, sleepless nights and rehearsals and auditions. And the one guy who's the standby to play Shrek and has to put on that makeup every day. And they promised day. him the traveling role, and then mm-hmm. he had to try out for it, and he didn't get it. And who mm-hmm. got it? The understudy. Yes. Mm-hmm. His I understudy. Yep. And you're so crushed for this protagonist, but then you feel so happy for the guy who did get it because you realize once again, there's yep. lots of people waiting in the wings who have dreams that may or may not have been represented. So let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. So this is a documentary. Okay. Should a documentary follow a structure I, like that? I think absolutely. Interesting. It's, yes. I yeah. think it works. And I think that's why in the modern era, if you will, documentaries, they feel more like narrative films. They do. And sometimes yeah. they work better than narrative films. And I would say the first documentary that I really reacted to this way was the one Spellbound, which came out many years ago now, but it was about the high school kids who are trying to become the national spelling bee champions. And it's the same kind of, I don't want to call it a formula, but it's probably the same reason why so many people find sporting events so interesting to watch is that you still have parameters. Um, Many different kinds of sports are limited in terms of time or innings or halves. And you see two teams give it their all, and you don't know who's going to win. Linsanity is a good Linsanity example, which we reviewed, example. and I hope you'll listen to it if you haven't already. Mm-hmm. Linsanity is a great example. Who knew when they yeah. started that that he was going to be this phenomenon that, you know, mm-hmm. totally took off? And you're rooting for the underdog. And the integrity to film in real time when you don't know what the outcome will be. You'd like to believe there's a happy ending for these actors. It was brilliantly edited, truly brilliantly edited, because... There was a lot of sameness, a lot of same conversations. All three of them are going through the same thing. Right. You know, it was really well edited, and it seemed as if the, the segments were all about the same length. And I think that helped with the rhythm of it, is there wasn't like a long segment and then two short segments. It seemed as if there were... We were, you know, in it for a a similarity in terms of how long they go and everything. Something that I thought this movie really achieved is that they say a great documentary grants the viewer access to a world they normally wouldn't have access to. It totally does. A plus on that statement. It was such fun being granted backstage access, if you will, where you get to go through the stage doors and the back doors to the theaters and you get to see what these people go through, how they put on their makeup, where they wait to see if they're ever going to be called on stage. The green room was a little depressing. It's a little depressing, (laughs) yes. It was an eve somewhere in the back. You know, like you knew you didn't want to get... If there was a fire, they wouldn't even come and find you there. You could burn forever and no one would ever know. Anyway, yeah, that's very true. What a great comment. I love... I love this fact about New York City. Did you know that every year in New York, they sell more theater tickets than they do tickets to sporting events? And as you know, New York City has a lot of professional sports teams. See, I I believe that's one of those statistics that has to be dealt a little deeper. I don't know if I believe that statistic. The theaters hold, what, three to 500 people? Well, this is the, you know, I'm, I'm sure you know this, but that's how they decide if a show is technically on Broadway, off-Broadway, or off-off-Broadway. Is off the Broadway. number of seats in it? I the didn't know that. The number of seats in a theater. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. So do you know what the cutoff number is? To be a Broadway theater, you have to have 500 seats or more. So if the theater has a capacity between 100 and 499, that's off-Broadway. And if it's fewer than 100, you're off-off-Broadway. Oh, okay. Good to know. I didn't mm-hmm. know that. Yeah. I just sort of thought it was based on how, how good the theater was. <laughs> and just another sign of the strength of Broadway and how it just really symbolizes the spirit of New York City 
is that I'm sure you remember this, but right after 9-11 happened, you know, the mayor just got together with the heads of Broadway and he said, you've got to reopen the theaters. The theaters are dark. And if there is truly something that symbolizes New York City, it's the lights of Broadway and we've got to turn them back on. And I thought, imagine that your city is under attack. Ground zero is still smoldering. You know, you've got the subways may or may not have been running for the actors to get to work. And also nobody was coming to New York. Nobody was coming to New York. So the, um, the theaters were running half. You could have gotten, you know, those, you could get tickets for half price. You could get tickets for half You could have gotten them for sure. Know? And yeah. let alone the typical anxieties that befall actors, they had to get up on stage mm-hmm. and perform. Yeah. And I think that just really shows, you know, what the theater represents to New York City and the world, since obviously every day it's attracting visitors from right. around the world who want to see a Broadway show. And so I, I think that the film was really, really well done. And I think, again, the length of it just flew by when I was watching it. And you were so glad at the end that everybody's still acting. They're still alive and acting. And tonight, the Tonys are being hosted by... Hosted by? hmm Oh, I hope it's a woman. There's two. There are two people. Oh. One is a woman, one is a man. Okay. Alan Cumming from my oh, favorite show, The Good Wife. Okay. And again, just to show what these actors put into their craft, he would go from filming The Good Wife, he would run over to Broadway where he was starring in Cabaret. Alan Cumming is one of the hosts and the other is Kristen Chenoweth. Oh, who I like very much. Who used to date. Sorkin, of Aaron course. Sorkin, yeah. yes. Uh-huh. She's the God girl. Yeah. That's right. She also, do you know what terrible tragedy happened to her? I didn't know we were going to tragedy. I thought you were just going to discuss how she originated one of the roles in Wicked. What happened to Kristen Chenoweth? The lighting fell on her head <gasps> and she almost died. She's fully recovered wow. and on Broadway tonight for the Tonys. So let's hope everybody has a great time. And we do urge you to go see Standbys if you haven't. Kudos to this fabulous documentary. We hope you all watch it if you haven't. You can see it, by the way. You have to get it on iTunes. You have to buy it or rent it. All right, so we hope you'll go see it. And we hope everybody has a chance to watch some of the wonderful performances tonight on the Tonys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and those of you who don't identify as either. We are so happy to be here. Tonight, we're bringing you an amazing evening as we celebrate the very best of Broadway. Welcome and bienvenue. Welcome guests again. Brenda, étranger, stranger. Stranger. This is the last time I'll ever sing this song. We know. We know you're probably used to just one host for the Tony Awards. But this year is so big, it's begging to be handled by both a man and a woman. I can relate. It It takes two. You thought one was enough. It's not true. It takes two of us going blue. And not you. I'll pull through. It's us two. It takes two of us. It's been a record-breaking year, y'all. The Broadway League says it's the highest grossing season in history. And 37 new productions have opened. 37. Crazy. Cray-cray. Banana pants. But you'll all be delighted to know. Wicked is still running. Popular. It's still very popular. Shut up. Also tonight, my Katie Petutti co-host is nominated for Best Performance by a Leading Actress in a Musical. Stop it. Stop it. 
I thought you'd never bring it up. You're so nice. Thank you. But Kristen, I'd just like to say that if you don't win... Why? What have you heard? Just play it cool, yeah. Real cool. I'd also like to mention some amazing performances on Broadway that the nominations overlooked. Overlooked. For example, Jake Gyllenhaal's incredible performance in Constellations. Not here. Not here. Uh, Hugh Jackman filleting fish in the river. Yeah. Also, not here. And the producer of Finding Neverland, Harvey Weinstein. Here. box office receipts for the last three months. Smile. We're both available for movies. At very reasonable rates, as you well know. That's right. Let's talk about the wonderful plays on Broadway, too. Oh, the real actors. Disgraced. Oh. Hand to God. The curious incident of the dog in the nighttime. Really? Yes. Wolf Hall. Yes, I thought so. Parts one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Even Her Royal Highness has arrived on the Great White Way. Nominee Dame Helen Mirren, so powerful. The fiercest queen on Broadway. Careful, since... careful, you're messing with our core audience. Good points. There is nothing like this game Nothing on Broadway No one has boobs like this game No one moves like this game No one drinks like this game No one stinks like this game This is things Well, what's that supposed to say on the screen? Sorry, Helen, sorry I can't She's American You have great teeth Great teeth Walk away, she's not on you, she's not on you I know, we're moving yeah, we're Thank moving. you See? And we agree with you, we need to leave So, Kristen we all know that plays were invented by the Greeks, right? Yes, I know. The Greeks invented a lot of things. I was a member of the Gamma Phi Beta sorority. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but have you ever wondered how musicals came about?